This week on the Talk Tall to Me podcast, we are tackling a a truly unique song on the the first album, um, but it is unique within the entire discography of Jethro Tull. Nick, what are we tackling today? We tackle Move On Alone. Omen, what do you think about Move On Alone? Um, you know, it's for me, this song is like... It, I just imagine the scenario where we have a time machine and went back into the past and something happened where instead of Mick Abrams leaving the band, Ian Anderson left the band. And I just, I, in this song, I can hear what Jethro Tull would have become if it had been Abrams and not Anderson. And, you know, I would love to hear that band. One hundy P. It is so good. This song is, is full Abrams. He wrote it. Right. He sings it. The only thing Ian Anderson does on this album is he plays, or on this song, he plays the claghorn. Oh, right. And you hear it right at the end, that, that low, like, burr, 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 burr. Right. like, it's clearly a jimmied saxophone mouthpiece with that, that <laughs> vibration of the Um, But it's super subtle in the back. There's no touch of Anderson in this, this song. And this is my favorite song on the album. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I mean, it, it's amazing. You know, and it's worth noting that they also bring in uh, David Palmer um, to orchestrate those horns and yeah, presumably to play some of them. I would imagine that. Uh, um, yeah. And it's an incredible, it's an incredible sound. Um, the drummer Clive Bunker is so incredibly energized on this track. I mean, I don't know, you know, how, I don't know why, if it's something that, that Mick Abrams was able to, to bring out of him performatively, or if he had just had his proverbial Wheaties that day, but it's so crisp and, and spicy and fresh. Um, it's incredible. I mean, you really hear him come alive. I think it has something to do with that. This song, this is the first one where we were able to to pick out individual pieces in in terms of instrumentation. I feel like everything before this has been kind of like that blanket of noise, that wall of sound. A comforting blanket, a, a beautiful wall. A, a beautiful, a quilt, a very fine quilt. Something that you want to sleep under in a cold winter's night. Absolutely. It's not, in no way is it pejorative, but this is, this is a lot daintier. This is... Um, this is a needlework. This is a lace. You can see all the working pieces together. Yeah. And I think that there's something to be said that everything is so, um, this is, this is distinct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this, in terms of energy, this is a nice solid, like middle of the road pace. It's not the super manic that we've heard already, but it's not the super slow bluesy. I would call this blues for sure, but it's, it's different than their their last blues piece. And and you said it, I mean, you can you can hear the distinctive players. If if the other songs on this album are like a mole sauce where you just taste this sort of singular 
synthesized, incredible, rich flavor, but you can't pull out any, you know, really distinct notes from it. This is like a fresh pico, a pico, or I was thinking, I was thinking one of those like Thai wraps oh. where you bite into it and you individually taste the carrot and the peanut and the cilantro and the sauce and the cucumber and the cucumber. You literally can taste every single one at once on your tongue. That's what this is like to me. Yeah. I'm tasting the drums. I am smelling the guitar. I'm feeling that claghorn in places I've longed to feel claghorn. <laughs> I, 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 I want to, I want to just object to your, my cilantro. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a cilantro eater. Uh, it does not taste like soap to me. Um, I want to object to your, your theory or your, your fantasies, fantasization of a non Anderson tall. Sure. Yeah. We would not have the claghorn. <laughs> were it not for Ian Anderson. You know, uh, there are, there are terrible prices to pay when you meddle with the timeline. That's true. But you mean, but you really could, you really could hear, you, you know, I can imagine this sound going on. Um, on the other hand, as beautiful it is, as it is, I don't know that it has the unique sound that true classic tall has. And so if we did have a, if we did have a tricked out DeLorean, I don't think that I would go back and change the timeline to make it uh, a Mick Abrams Jethro Tull. I think if they pursued this sound as opposed to the um, someday the sun, sun won't shine for you sound or the, the beggar's farm or my Sunday feeling, if they pursued and, and really honed and perfected the move on alone sound. Yeah. I think we could get a nice, that like alternative universe that's right side by side. I think we could get, still get that sound. Right. But if, if he, he, if he stuck with that more traditional sound, the heavier, the wall, the blanket sound, I think you're right. I don't think we would end up with that uniqueness. I don't think they would have lasted 50 years. No, I, I agree. Um, but it's, but it's beautiful. And, you know, this is a very, this is a very, very special track. There's something so fascinating about Abrams and you can really, you know, I think probably credit him with a lot of, of the success of Tull, you know, post this album that he brings a groundedness. You can hear in his singing. Sure. Composition of this song. He brings a, a, a groundedness to this song and to the band in general on this album, that's really needed. Cause I think, you know, Ian Anderson was, he is a bit of a, a mad genius. And, and I think that on other songs on this uh, album, you can hear a little bit of that. I want to say instability just for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, but he, that you can feel him, you can feel Mick Abrams grounding the, the kind of explosive, fireworks genius that is ian anderson yeah and had had they not had mix influence even for just this one album um maybe tall would not have lasted right you know maybe maybe they would have burnt out faster yeah like those um those wannabes the beatles or... <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> the year that this album came out was the first um what was the year that uh, John Lennon and Yoko Ono did their first art exhibition? 
Really? Yep. I did not know that. Happening at the same time that this album was dropping. Wow. Yeah. A lot of important things. A lot of important things. The, uh, the, there, there's never, I, well, I mean, I, I don't want to say never, but generally there's not a Tull versus Beatles. It's usually what? Stones and Beatles? Mm. The one that I've heard is Tull and Rush, the band Rush. Mm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. I totally think um, that... I, I do think of Rush, and this will probably offend Rush fans, but I, I do think of Rush as the Canadian Jethro Tull, in a way. They're ju- just as much as Tull is the English Rush. I think that they're definitely both souping the same bone, if you will. Yeah, um, they, they're both prog rock. They, they've both got super distinct sounds. Right. And um, there, I would never say, I would never confuse the two sounds in any way, shape or form, but they're super distinct. And they, they started, I don't know the, the years for, for Rush, but I know they've been around forever too. So, yeah. So I, I think, I think it makes sense to put them in the same basket for sure. Um, and I, I, I can't, I can't think of anyone who has ever been compared in that sense of having that um, the, the, the two head to head, you know, that it's, it's either rush or tall. Right. You know, in, you know, they rush formed in 1968. So there was obviously something in the water that year. Um, the waters of Canada and England. <laughs> the waters of the world. The same water source that they share. I, I imagine that probably a meteorite from the next galaxy entered our atmosphere in 1968 and that is why we have Jethro Tull. That's probably why we have Rush. Yeah. Um, yeah, this track is so interesting and how fascinating, how um, how intriguing that after this album, Mick Abrams did in fact move on alone. Ooh. So he he did move on alone, but I mean, he did have several bands after the fact but certainly nothing with the longevity that that is tall i mean bloodwind pig was probably under a decade right right i i I honestly have not listened to any of their music i haven't either he did also participate in the supergroup cream i didn't realize they were a supergroup who else was in cream omen a lot of a lot of people i i don't know a lot of super people a lot of super people um Fascinatingly, though, he also formed a band in the late 90s called This Was. What? It was a collection. We, we watched, uh, we watched a, a clip of one of their live performances once. Um, he assembled all of the ex-Tull musicians throughout the years. Oh, that's right. And they played Tull music without Ian Anderson. And it's kind of great. I mean, it's all, it's all, I don't know if you, can you call it a cover? If it's some of the original people playing it? I mean, it's like, interesting. It's like a deconstruction. It's Perseus's ship. Yes, exactly. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the last piece that has not been removed from the ship is Ian Anderson, which right. is the original ship named Jethro Tull. Now here's, here's a question for you. Which, which part of the ship would you say that Ian Anderson is? the prow he's the he's the figurehead he's the bust yeah but i think there's 
he has more practicality than that. I, I think that's not giving him enough credit as much as I do like to rag on uh, his great ego. Sure. Which is massive. Which is massive. Yeah. He's, he's the, the, the set of boards that the name is painted on. I think that he is perhaps, maybe this is too obvious. Or I've got two answers. I think that he is the captain and that he has wrecked his ship so many times and placed <laughs> literally every single part of it, but he he's still been the captain of it. Okay. But, but a cap, but a, a, that's right. I, I, a captain does not make the name of a ship. A captain does not make a ship. A captain can pilot a ship, can sail a ship. Right. He's the glue. No, there's no, this is a bad, this is a bad metaphor that we're chasing down. I think he's the he's the little holder on the side of the the steering wheel that holds the flute. <laughs> the flute holder. Yes, that is a the SS Jethro Tull. That is a um a traditional maritime device. I mean required required by by law. Um apparently a lot of Tull fans were upset um at Abrams when he put together the band this was in the 90s. Um, I mean I can see that. Sure, sure. You know, I think that probably purists, but apparently Ian Anderson was not that upset about it. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. And and I think that on that, um, on that, in that documentary that we saw, oh, man, I wish I could remember what the name of it was. I don't remember this. But uh, there, there was even, I think that there was, there, there was some sort of party where they were both there and Ian Anderson, they, they, it had a little clip of them chatting and they're clearly, you know, they've clearly gotten over whatever it was they drove them apart, you know, or, or because they're not trying to work together anymore, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it was 30 years ago. And Mick Abrams had that crazy dangly earring. Remember that? Ian Anderson had a dangly earring too. Well, you know, it was the 60s and 70s. And 80s. And I think he had it up into like some of the, back when they... When when Tull.com came out, which was an advertisement for their website, technically. No. Yeah. I mean, that's the their jtull.com was the URL for their website. Oh, that's funny. Well, I think I think it was they were just so excited to have discovered the internet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll give them that. But I, I recall having seen pictures of of Anderson at that time the squat little troll that he is with his, with his, with his, his head kerchief thing. Yeah. And that one sing singular dangly earring. I don't oh, think there was a feather on it. I don't think it was that far, but still. Right. It's so interesting. Yeah. Wow. Anything else that we want to say about, about move on alone? It is, it is a song for me that both content wise, that content wise, both, allows me to really listen to it and 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 pick it apart and absorb it. Yeah. There's also um there's also this this zen quality to it. Like I could put it on repeat and just play it over and over and just kind of just just phase out. Yeah. And I could be happy with that. I think it's 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 a there's a good pace to it. There's a good um there's a good arc to it. There's a good story. Yeah. And, and, you know, that quality that you described is something that also sets it apart from other Jethro Tull songs where, which I, I think as if I can make a, an extremely gross generalization, but let's, you know, just talk about the songs that we've talked about so far. Um, you know, they, they, 
they don't permit you to get lulled into them. You can go along with them, but there's always with, I think the, the distinctive Ian Anderson song is there's a, a sense of starkness almost. Mm -hmm. You can't fade into them. You, you are, you may be comforted by them, but you're also confronted by them. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm thinking of later in the catalog and I think, I think you're right. There's something to how he writes music even far later in the catalog, a hundred songs later, it still has this, this feeling. And even the slower ones, there, there are a couple where I can, the, some really pretty ones, like some of the, um, the B-side stuff from War Child that's just uh, symphonic put me to sleep. Like it is, it's hmm. gorgeous and it's beautiful and it's fantastic. Um, but, but only when it's symphonic for, for Anderson. Right. Yeah. All right. Question for you based only on the four songs that we have so far discussed, who is fundamentally a happier person, Mick Abrams or Ian Anderson? based on sound or 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 lyrics just based on these songs but but in terms of the sound of the song or the the the, the content of the lyrics the overall impression anderson is both sad and angry <laughs> and abrams is just like yeah yeah whatever all my friends left me my girl left me I'm I'm resigned to living alone. So in the end, it sounds like you're saying they're both extremely unhappy people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, in different ways, basically. I'm Omen Said. I'm Nick McGill. We are Feckless Moms. It's and time. It's time we. <laughs> <laughs> it's time we move on alone. Until next time, you will have to talk tall to yourselves. What What are we listening to next week? Serenade to a cuckoo. Ooh, good one. Next week, we'll talk tall to you. Thanks again for listening to Talk Tall to Me, a Feckless Moms Audio Network production. Your hosts are Omen Said and Nick McGill, produced by Nick McGill.